Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Rap. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Sex Rap. You're here today with the fabulous spring and the whatever I am, Andrew. I don't know if I feel very fabulous today because I haven't shaved for a week. I haven't left my apartment for a week. But this is the Sex Rap where we're going to be talking about sex. We're not going to be talking about coronavirus very much, but it's on <laughs> everyone's so mind. I'm so glad you're back, though. Last week I had to do it alone. I mean, so... Okay, everybody, I work uh, in a, I'm not a nurse, but I work in a school of nursing and there are people in scrubs that they wear in hospitals. And as you know, I'm kind of a germaphobe. So the <laughs> thought of me going into this building that had people who had been at hospitals with positive cases to get my recording equipment, that was a zero. Um, but fortunately, my partner braved it late at night and he grabbed my microphone and uh, I'm ready to uh, record. How are Hooray. you? How are you dealing, Spring? Your situation's different than mine. I'm doing a lot of yoga. I'm doing so much yoga. You know, I'm doing yoga classes online. I'm doing yoga classes on live things on Zoom. I'm doing recorded classes. I'm posting some classes. I'm doing classes with my friends. I'm doing way more yoga than normal. It's I'm going to be like the buffest post-quarantine yoga chick. <laughs> I am um, not. I am going to be the pudgiest Andrew ever by the end of all of this. I haven't left my condo in seven days, but I feel healthy and everything's good. You know, I, I live with people who I absolutely adore to spend time with and I get to spend time with my dog. She's actually recording with me for the first time ever in the bed oh, right now. Um, so it's not that bad. Personally, um, I think that the broader level of societal angst surrounding the issue is problematic. I'm glad you have your yoga. I, I mean, I'm, I'm doing, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. She hasn't done yoga with me yet. Do you want to give me a yoga tomorrow? Sure. Woohoo. Uh, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I do feel very lucky that uh, we both still have jobs, and you know, I've heard statistics that's about. At least in New York, it's 30% of New Yorkers have lost their jobs. And I have at least a few friends uh, who fall in that category. And it's a really difficult time. And I mean, talking about sex and relationships, you know, those type of stressors can really impact sex and relationships too. And that is related to the topic we're talking about today. Absolutely. Um, just a shout out there. If you have friends, if you still have your job, I still have my job. Spring still has hers. Um, if you have friends who are out there who were in service industry, for me, it's a lot of drag queens. I still tip them. I tip them virtually. And I thank you, thank them for a drag brunch that never happened. But I know it would have been good anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, scary stuff. Okay. Back to the question, though, all of this anxiety that we're building up. And I mean, Spring and I, when we got this question, I mean, in, in our combined 25 years of teaching different sex ed from all different perspectives, levels, angles, um, this is probably the second most common question from men. 
right? And it's all about premature ejaculation. Dick size is number one, but we already answered that. So today, <laughs> as a follow-up, because uh, someone had asked how long sex should last, and I think this is really part of that overall question, right? Um, so I want to last longer. I can't last long enough. How long should sex last? And I have premature ejaculation, and what can I do about it? As long as it doesn't require talking to anyone else about it, admitting I have a problem, changing myself, changing my behaviors, doing anything. Yeah, so four episodes ago, uh, episode 109, we talked about how long should sex last. And we talked about on that episode how we were going to do a follow-up episode about rapid ejaculation. So here we are. Um, we waited four episodes, so maybe that didn't come quite fast enough for you. <laughs> but yes, uh, we are happy to talk about this today. Um, so we're going to start off talking about what is premature ejaculation? Like how is it defined and how common is that really? I mean, and one of the, so when we look at the definition of premature ejaculation, typically uh, we say rapid ejaculation instead of premature. Um, but it's usually defined as a partner not lasting long enough for their partner's sexual desire, sexual kick. So like they don't last long enough to get their partner off or their partner is unhappy with how long they last. Yeah. And so again, that can be, you know, different for different people. Um, what's considered, you know, rapid. And like Andrew said, we like this term rapid ejaculation better than premature ejaculation because premature um, implies, you know, that like there is this like very specific time that it has to happen at. And it's really um, a little bit more variable in kind of what that exact time length is. So rapid just means, you know, faster than is the length that a certain person or a couple would prefer it to be lasting, really. That's really all it is. And I think a lot of it is built up around expectations as well. Um, we just told you, like, the average time that people should enjoy sex, was it 7 to 11 minutes, like, in that time frame. But some people like it longer, some people like it shorter, right? Some people don't want it that long. Um, in all of those cases, the time... Uh, to judge whether something's premature ejaculation or not changes, right? So if someone only wants to have sex for two minutes and they last two minutes, it's not rapid ejaculation. If somebody wants it for 25 minutes and only lasts two minutes, then it's considered rapid ejaculation, right? So it's really subjective and it changes based on relationships and how you feel. Um, but for a lot of men, it's a persistent issue where they feel they don't have control, right? Like they engage in any kind of sex act, whether it's oral, anal, vaginal, blowjob, hand, whatever it is. Um, and they feel like they come too fast or they, they orgasm too quickly, that it's out of their control and that the sex act is over before it even begins, right? So there's a lot of like psychological buildup and a lot of kind of psychological baggage that goes with the term premature ejaculation, ejaculation as well. And sometimes you know, this is somebody else's perception, right? So it could be a partner's perception that it is happening too quickly, whereas um, the person with the penis might not have ever felt that before or other partners might not have told them that before. And so this can also shift, you know, depending on people that you are engaging in sexual acts with so that um, it could feel like, oh, this is a new issue, but it could be... Uh, 
normal functioning for your body, but it feels like an issue to a different partner. And if it is an issue to a different partner, then it's still something that we can think about addressing in different ways. So it has this really kind of murky definition, right? And there's a lot of anxiety and angst. Like I was kind of poking fun at it when I was discussing what the question was for this week. Um, most of the time, people are really terrified to talk about it, right? By the time they would ask me or spring, like, how do I deal with it? Usually it's something that's been going on for years, if not decades, right? So this long-term issue that they're just terrified to talk about because men are expected societally like to be really good at sex, right? From the beginning on. I just have a question. Isn't this the definition of irony? <laughs> I feel like it's a pretty good example of taking a really long time to address the issue of coming quickly. <laughs> wow. that And that's it, everybody. Uh, no, that would have been the best, just the tip. Like, not really... No, I mean, it is the definition of irony, but people are terrified to discuss it, right? Um, I have a lot of my female friends who've come and talked to me about their boyfriend who was premature ejaculating, but they didn't want to talk to him about it because they were afraid it would hurt his feelings. So instead they talked to me. Like, well, you want me to go talk to him about it? How mortifying would that be? Like, hey, uh, boyfriend. So your girlfriend just told me that she wants you to last longer in bed and that you have a problem. Like, yeah. So, I mean, I I think going into it, like Spring and I are being really lighthearted, but we really don't want to upset anybody who's dealing with this or suffering with this because we realize that for a lot of people, it's a long-term issue that causes them an immense amount of anxiety, stress, grief, broken relationship. All of those other things can come from it, which is why I love that we're talking about it. I can't believe it took us this long to get to this (laughs) question. (laughs) This is so corny. Okay. Um, So uh, we are taking it seriously um, because it's really common as well, right? Uh, It's something like when we look at all of the studies that have ever been done about rapid or premature ejaculation, between 4 and 40% of the sample of men says, yes, this is an issue for me, right? So regardless, even in the best study, it's a pretty significant number of men. Right. And even if it's not um, a recurring issue or an issue that's been going on for a long time, most men experience this at least at some point, like because there's always ups and downs and different uh, things affecting us and, you know, different stressors and things happening in our lives. So I would say most men experience this at some point in their lives. And that is how normal it is. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's one of those things that it's so normal that if you got a group of men together and they were being honest instead of macho about it, every single man in the room would be like, oh yeah, the first time or oh no, after drinking or oh, I hadn't been with my girlfriend or I hadn't been with anybody in three months. And then that time I was really looking forward to when I finally got it in, it was over. Like (laughs) the stories are out there and they're incredibly common, but people are really terrified about talking about it because for some reason, how long a man lasts is completely wrapped up in the idea that it's their masculinity. Like if they don't last long enough, there's something wrong with their masculinity when really most of the time it's a community. Oh, here it comes. It's a communication issue, right? Oh, is that the answer? (laughs) It's a big part of the answer. And the person who you should be communicating with about it is probably not me in spring, but we're happy to talk about it with you today. You You can call us up anytime. I'll talk to you about it anytime you want. Um, So it's really common. People are afraid to talk about it. And it does cause a lot of stress in people's lives. Um, And 
I mean, I, I, I want to be there for all of you. I wish we could take all of like the stress and guilt away from sex because it's getting in the way of people actually enjoying it or getting what they want out of it. But um, we need to take a short break. We'll be right back and we'll start talking about what we can do about it. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we are talking about rapid ejaculation, premature ejaculation, coming too soon, not lasting long enough, not lasting up until when your partner wants you to, all of those different things that cause men so much stress and anxiety. And I think it probably causes women quite a bit of stress and anxiety as well. First, in like not getting what they want or being afraid to talk about it or I don't know. I think this is also wrapped up in some of those conversations about sex ends when a man comes. So then often there are women who don't get off because of it. Oof, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of other issues that we could be talking about, but let's get to it. Back to what can we do about it, right? So what should we do? Well, you know, we just started to joke about communication and about how it's our answer to everything um, on this show. And it is true. I mean, we do there are a lot of things that can be contributing to this and we have a lot of potential answers and things you can try. Um, but we do want to always say, okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk about, um, what's happening with your partner. And, you know, there could be some mental blocks here that are contributing. There could be some relationship factors. There could be um, some things that you're physically doing together during your sexual activity that could be contributing to this. And so one of, one of the first things that is actually one of the easiest things to do is start communicating. And I know it can also seem really hard but you want to start talking to your partner about what's going on. Um, did you just make eyes at me when I said it can be really hard? I did. I, did. <laughs> I, I was trying not to like play into the whole sex pun, uh, but really, it, 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 yeah. Instead of making it really hard, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, start with some communication. Start with talking about your partner about you know, um, and some of the times. I mean, some of this could even just be in your head, right? Like maybe you feel like your partner thinks that you're ejaculating sooner than they want you to. And maybe that's not the case. Or maybe um, they actually have some other ideas about things. And so, I mean, I just want to say, first step, start talking about it. I mean, right. I mean, we wouldn't have a job anymore if people just talked about it. So let's give some more. Uh, it's really kind of funny. Like at first, I, I thought it was toddlers and tiaras that was going to keep me uh, in business forever as a sex educator. And but now I know that it is lack of communication. Um, something that's really important to do is just to give yourself a little mental health check as well, right? So you're talking about it. Think about your mental state and how you're feeling. Um, if you're feeling really anxious or really stressed out about something, those can lead to rapid ejaculation. As well. Anything that sort of gets your body and your brain riled up can kind of feed into this response and, and take you there as well. Stress, anxiety, depression. Um, something else that happens is that once a man has experienced premature ejaculation, right, they start focusing on it a lot. Right. And every time they start thinking about sex or thinking about being intimate with a partner or dating someone new, what comes to their mind first is this, oh my God, I'm going to come too fast. Oh my God, I'm not going to last long enough. Oh my God, I'm going to come. And when you think about it all the time when you ruminate on it and it just keeps cycling through your head, right? It almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're kind of setting up your body, you're setting up your penis, you're setting up your whole orgasmic response. So oh, it's going to happen. It's going to ha It happened, right? Because you keep telling yourself <laughs> it's going to happen all of the time. 
it happens right away. Manifesting and all that's part it. of it. Ma- right. You manifest this terrible thing by telling yourself, <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Like, I'm going to have a million dollars. I'm going to have a, oh my God, I got it. No. Um, <laughs> so you manifest your rapid ejaculation and it's linked to stress and anxiety and depression. Um, so being really thoughtful about those things and, and starting to separate them out as well. Uh, orgasms are great. And people really enjoy them as part of sex, but it's not the only part of sex. So taking your head out of that space where the only thing that matters is the orgasm really can help as well. And so, I mean, that was something we talked about on the How Long Should Sex Last episode. And, you know, that is a main thing that we talk about when we talk about um, sex is that sex is not just the penis orgasming um, in heterosexual uh, sexuality. And so this it's also broadens that to any type of sexual activity within any type of partnership. But we don't want to define sex by orgasm. We don't want to define it by the male orgasm. And there are so many sexual activities and we really want to start to broaden this definition and think about, you know, all of these different things that um, you can do during this time when you're engaging sexually with a partner. So yes, listen to that other episode again for a little bit more about that. But yes, how are we thinking about what else is sex and how are we thinking about what this whole time could be together? Yeah, I don't want this uh, people to think today's episode is heterosexually oriented either, because there are a lot of uh, gay and bisexual men who have these issues as well. I have a lot of friends who are bottoms who they love a little anal action, but as soon as they start, they're ready to come right away. Like, so it happens to men from all different okay. uh, sexual orientations and all different positions as well, right? So this is really common. We just see it the most from heterosexual uh, perspectives because there are just more heterosexual people around telling us their stories. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's some really simple things that you can do. So tip yeah. and trick number one. So communicate, think about it, get yourself in a better headspace. Um, and you can just masturbate before sex a few times if necessary, just to kind of get the urges down, just kind of to get the fluid out, just kind of get your body ready. Um, and for a lot of men, it's a simple way for them to go engage in some kind of sex and not feel that immediate urge to orgasm right away really simple. Yeah. And so you can also do some masturbation training. So we're going to have a few answers about masturbation here. Uh, <laughs> so yes, we're, we love promoting masturbation. Um, so you can also do some training with your masturbating where you are getting yourself close to orgasm. And if it, if that happens very rapidly, then that means like barely starting and then stopping and barely starting to stimulate yourself again and then stopping. And this training that you're doing is getting yourself close to orgasm and then not orgasming. And so that starts to physically train the body to understand that it can wait longer, basically, until this orgasm to ejaculate. And so you start to work over time with doing this. Uh, and I mean, this is something that you should be doing a couple of times a day, really, to like keep that in training and keep the body trying to learn um, a different way of being. And while you're doing the masturbation training, you think about every sensation, like you focus on what's happening, what feels good, the pleasure of the whole thing. Um, there's this horrible piece of advice, baseball, you're supposed to think of baseball. Um, I, and sure, I'm sure that works for some people. But how terrible of advice is it that 
like, hey, I want to really enjoy the sexual act with this person. I'm afraid I'm going to come quickly. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull myself completely out of the act, not think about how good it feels, not think about being intimate, not think about being close, not think about their sexual organs. I'm going to think about the most boring sport possible. <laughs> well, I guess now with no sports happening in the time of coronavirus, maybe that could get people excited thinking about a sport. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, hold, I, maybe that's why baseball is still a thing because there's so many men who use it as their premature ejaculation, like mind block that they get really turned on by a boring game where nothing happens for four hours. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop ragging on baseball. Um, there are other more boring sports like football and basketball that we could talk about <laughs> as well. Um, no, so you want to be, when we're talking about all the various techniques that we're going to go through, you want to be thinking about those sensations and focusing on them because you want to get your brain and your body trained to say, this is normal, this feels good, and it doesn't necessarily automatically take me to the point of orgasm, right? Orgasm becomes something that you can control. Yeah. Um, so what Spring was talking about with masturbation training is a lot like edging. Um, and we've talked about edging a few times before on the show. Um, edging is for anybody, any sex, any sexual orientation. Um, and what you do is you just masturbate on purpose up until the point right before ejaculatory inevitability, right? Uh, the point of no return. Um, for everyone, uh, if you are masturbating right before you're about to have an orgasm, there's this kind of, whoo, like you hit this peak and you know you're going to come. Um, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> all you do is you pay attention to that right? And you know when it's going to come and you stop sensation before then, right? So you get yourself all the way up to the point where you're about to blast off and then stop, right? So that's kind of like masturbation training, except here you're focusing on like, how do I put a stopgap before that orgasm, right? So there's lots of different ways that you can use masturbation to get your body used to those, those sensations and to practice lasting a little bit longer. Yeah. And it's really cool that your body actually, you know, is able to change and to learn. And so these techniques like actually do work. It's not something that we're just suggesting like, oh, try this. Like these things actually show marked changes in people's ability to uh, last longer before ejaculating. So we're saving you thousands and thousands of dollars <laughs> of uh, therapy uh, fees sessions right now. So um, there's a couple other really easy things that you can do. I'm doing one of them right now. Um, it's practicing your <laughs> Kegels. Um, we've talked about it before. I really want to have a whole episode where you just talk about there's not enough to talk about with Kegels. You just like squeeze that muscle. It's the I same think we muscle. have a whole episode about Kegels, don't we? I don't Which, think. No, I said I wanted to do it. We didn't. You're like, there's not enough to talk about with just Kegels. <laughs> so this is the just Kegels moment, everybody. But we need to take a break. So we'll explain them. If you know what they are, <laughs> practice until we get back. If not, we'll tell you how in just a minute. Squeeze. Hold. I'm squeezing. Squeezing. So Kegels are super easy. Pretend you're peeing and then just stop the flow of urine and hold. Squeeze it tight. Hold it for a couple seconds and let it go and do a couple sets. You don't want to do like hundreds of them in a day, but you know, if you have a you commute, can, if you you're driving, also do them. you're in your elevator. 
you can also do them while peeing. You can even do that while peeing and practice that. Well, yeah, if you don't know what that muscle is, the next time you pee, just focus on that muscle you use to stop the flow of urine. I mean, it's a huge muscle. It's a pubic coccyx. It goes all the way like over the genitals down and around the anus. So like when you figure out what muscle it is, it's pretty big and you'll feel it moving lots of your parts. Um, But when you practice Kegels, there's quite a bit of evidence that shows that it can actually help men control their orgasm or delay their orgasm or just have a little bit more agency in when they're about to come. So do your Kegels. You should be doing Kegels. They're good for everybody. Lots of positive benefits for all human sexual beings throughout your entire lifespan. Yeah, it's your whole pelvic floor muscles. So it is just, you know, really important to keep those toned. And now that we're in the time of Corona, you have nowhere to go. So just right now, I'm going to keep talking about them for a second. Are you doing it now? Are you doing it now? Uh, I mean, Have you been doing it the whole time we've been talking about it? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's impossible to not do it as soon as you start talking about it. When I teach uh, sex classes, uh, I have slides that pop up randomly that just say Kegels on them. And I don't talk at all for like 30 seconds. And then, <laughs> congratulations, you all just had your sex workout. Okay. <laughs> Next strategy. What I are some other this, things that we can do? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the like very, very easy strategies is to use thicker condoms, to use like desensitizing lubes. And I mean, these things are like, they're kind of like cheats in a way, right? Like they're not actually going to um, fix the problem, the underlying problem, but they are going to maybe get the result that you want. So you can think about using as you're doing some training and as you're doing some edging and some Kegels and all of these other things. In the meantime, using thicker condoms or desensitizing condoms, desensitizing lube. And those are things that are also pretty effective for a lot of people to help them delay ejaculation. Yeah, so they they work pretty well, but they're not actually going to fix the problem. Also, be really careful when you're buying some of these desensitizing lubes. Not all of them are healthy for vaginas or anuses. And then if you get it in your mouth, it'll feel like you were just at the dentist. So, uh, yeah, that numbing uh, feeling. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I know that. No, um, so. And they're not right. They're not all 100% safe. So just if you're buying one, make sure that it's actually approved. Um, And then if you're having sex with another partner and you're using a desensitizing lube and they do not have a problem with rapid ejaculation, or if you're with someone who has problems getting to ejaculation, and let's say you got a little bit on top of um, a woman or a trans man's uh, clitoris, they're going to have a really hard time getting off then. So most of the time, if you're using a desensitizing lube, you want to use it on the inside of a condom, just not sort of everywhere unless the other person wants it to. Yeah, yeah uh, you de- There would be no reason to use it on the outside of the condom unless the partner wanted it, right? Because it wouldn't actually do anything on the outside of the condom for the person who is having the um, rapid ejaculation. Right. And most of the condoms that come that are desensitizing, it only is on the inside. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's Masters and Johnson's squeeze method, which I think is really kind of fun, too. If you don't know who Masters and Johnson are, they're the people who the first real scientific researchers are like, oh, my gosh, people have sex. Let's figure out. Holy crap, that's an orgasm. Let's figure it out. Um, so uh, they have something called the squeeze method. Um, and it's a lot like masturbation training and edging. Um but instead of just like stopping all activity, 
what you do is you would withdraw the penis from whatever orifice it may be in at the time. And usually it's the partner who grabs it um, and they squeeze at right between the head and the shaft firmly, not so hard that it hurts, but firmly for 10 to 20 seconds. And what it does is it pretty quickly takes like the the sex drive or how close someone was to orgasm and it brings it way down and you repeat that multiple times, right? So this is another way of training the body. But here you're introducing an actual like physical stopgap into what's happening. Yeah, so it's called the Masters and Johnson Squeeze Method. If you watch their show on Showtime, they actually show you what it's like. So yeah. squeeze it. Squeeze. I mean, I really like the name of the method. It's very easy to understand. You can pretty much understand how to do this by reading the name of it, which is great. Squeeze it. Squeeze, Squeeze it. method. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, oh, I have. There's one method that I think is really sweet. If you're in a relationship with somebody, um, it's called the get naked method, right? And most <laughs> of the time, uh, we did you just make up the name of that method. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> so job, it's called baby. the get naked method. It's my method. <laughs> uh, people use it. Other Anyway, the get naked method is um, most of the time, uh, our whole lives were trained that if we see somebody that we like naked, if we're in a relationship with them or a one night stand or whatever it is, we're, we're going to bang like it's going to take us to sex. So this works for someone where you're in a relationship and you're comfortable with each other. And what you do, right, is you just start getting naked. A lot like cooking, eating dinner, watching TV, hanging out in bed, cuddling, all of those with the express intent of not having sex. Right. So you start taking some of that like social sexual taboo off of the naked body and you make the naked body just a normal part of your everyday routine. Now, if you do it, it's probably going to lead to sex quite a few times. So just be prepared, have condoms and lube where you need them around the house. But uh, they get naked, like do naked chores fold laundry naked together like just be be naked now this only works if there aren't other people around like there's a lot of other things you have to make sure happen to make it work for you but what it does is it makes closeness and intimacy normalized right instead of this like special wow thing that only happens once in a while that kind of builds into the excitement and anxiety makes it just like oh i love your naked body and i love seeing it around and it's a normal thing for me so i'm not going to be overexcited and then when we do have sex it takes some of that edge off Right. And it's a way that kind of forces communication and it's a whole lot of fun. So and what Andrew is talking about here is another way of um, actually uh, doing some training. Right. Like we're actually training the mind here. So we're training the mind to not associate nakedness with sexuality. So we're desexualizing naked bodies and we're saying, okay, this is actually just a normal state that the body occurs in and you're training the mind to um, distance that. And so then that means you are going to be starting at a new level of kind of baseline when you see your partner naked. So instead of having an already aroused level, you have a slightly lower level that you're starting with, which gives you a little more room to grow. Oh, gross. <laughs> we don't need dad jokes today. We just have fun puns. Yay. All right. So while you get naked and practice, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back for just a few more things that you can do. Uh, so we'll be right back. All right, listeners, I hope 
that you actually didn't get naked unless you're like in private in your own home. Like if you're on the subway, you can't be on the subway. You can't be anywhere public right now because Corona time. Yeah, we know you're all at your home. So now that you're naked and getting intimate, um, normalizing intimacy, not having sex, uh, we're going to talk just about a few other, uh, a few other ways that you can deal with this, like deal with rapid ejaculation or premature ejaculation. So all of the things that we've talked about so far are very much things that you could do either on your own or that you could work on with a partner. Um, there's also some medical interventions that can be done. Um, so, uh, so when we talk, when we say medical intervention, what do we mean spring? I mean, we mean medication. <laughs> so, uh, right. So if you have tried all of these other things or for a lot of men, because they're afraid to talk about a lot of these issues with their partner, um, what they do is they'll go to a medical doctor, an MD or a psychiatrist. And what they can do is they can prescribe small amounts of either pain medications like Tramdol, um, or they can give small amounts of different uh, antidepressants. Most of the time we're talking about yeah. selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, so like the Prozac family. Um, and you take a very small dose of them. And what it does is it essentially slows down your brain, um, the parts of your brain that uh, get you closer to orgasm. Um, one of the primary side effects of antidepressants for huge numbers of people that they feel like they can never get off, right? They have a huge problem getting to orgasm. So uh, doctors can prescribe these as a way to sort of bring somebody who has rapid ejaculation, you know, back down towards like where they want to be with sex. Yeah. And I mean, um, it, what's interesting is that we talked about, you know, there's some mental health things that impact um, rapid ejaculation as well. A lot of times, not always, but sometimes. And so um, it could very well be that this could help in a couple of different ways, right? Like sometimes the medication is working on, on a couple of different levels to um, impact the uh, rapid ejaculation. Yeah. So you're talking not only about dealing with some of that anxiety or shame or guilt or whatever is might be the underlying cause. So the medication kind of handles both. Mm -hmm. um, we typically don't recommend people start here, right? There's a lot of other things that you can do that resolve this, right? Um, so while this is common for a lot of men at some point in their life, men who actually practice or get help, it, they act eventually overcome it. Um, there's one more kind of medical therapy that we can talk about. Uh, wait, Spring, do you have something? Yeah, I just was going to say that um, we say that we kind of want to rule out that anything else couldn't work before we recommend medication for anything sexually oriented. We're always trying to make sure we have ruled out any other probable cause, any other solution that could work um, because sexuality is very normal and there is no part of it that um, needs to be medicalized. But occasionally um, with something uh, very persistent and very uh, difficult to try to really address, then it is a good solution. But we really want to make sure that we have gone through all the other possibilities first. We forgot the other medical kind of solution. Um, the other one is like, go, go talk to a sex therapist. We've had Cindy Dornell on our show multiple times. She would love to talk to you for a small fee um, <laughs> about your rapid ejaculation. Like she, that's what she does. She helps people get to the core of the issues and gives them the same kind of strategies we talked about with much more like in-depth detail and guide to do it. Um, 
if you are in a long-term relationship, you can go to couples therapy or couples counseling and, you know, have a third person to really talk through some of the issues as well. And there's all kinds of therapy and counseling, like sex therapy aside, where you can talk to somebody about the issue and talk about what causes it, talk about how you feel about it. And what we see happen and happen in many of these cases is once a, a man or a trans woman uh, is out there talking uh about the issues, they start to deal with it better. They start to understand what's happening in their body and inside of their mind, and they gain a little more control, and the whole issue sort of resolves, right? Um, so there are different kinds of medical help you can get. There's psychological help. There's also, you can uh, talk to an MD or a psychiatrist and get medication. Um, but like in the order of things, work on yourself, talk with your partner, use some of the strategies find some thicker condoms and lube, all of those first, um, and then move on to some of the more medical strategies. Yeah. And I mean, if you've already done some of these things or you know that um, you really need some help, I mean, we're not saying that uh, sex therapy is uh, medical. I mean, you can definitely go there at any time to talk to a professional about some of your concerns. It's great to talk to a sex therapist anytime. Um, and, and they'll always be able to support you and be able to make recommendations also. So yeah, I mean, if you have concerns about it and you feel like, you know, you've tried some of these things and you're feeling pretty, um, ready to take some more serious action, then yeah, go to a sex therapist and like get serious about it. All right. So um, this episode went on a long time, uh, which is... (laughs) (laughs) It was not a rapid episode and that's fine. Um, I just want to bring people's stress level down about premature or rapid ejaculation. I want people to start talking about it like it's a normal thing, a normal thing that is pretty easy to treat and deal with once you start breaking down some of those barriers using some of those techniques. It's not easy for everyone, right? For some people, it's going to be a much longer voyage, but something that is completely treatable, dealable, talkable, fixable. That's it. All right. We're at the end. Do you have a tip today? Um, just the tip. Just the tip. <laughs> That's it. That's the tip today, everybody. No, I can't. Uh, my tip, I just. We're done. It, I, I, <laughs> all right. So um, I think over the next 20 years, Sprig and I are going to probably get this question a thousand more times and we're going to be able to relay them directly to this episode. Yeah, so we thank can you, Sprig. answer the question now. Wrap- <laughs> Like episode 113. Episode 113. Go. <laughs> Here we go. So if you have any questions or you have any follow-up or, or you have anything else that you want to say about this, uh, feel free to reach out to us. Or if you have any other questions about sex, sexual health, love, relationships, anything at all, um, you can send us an email. We're the sexwrap at gmail.com. You can call us at 413-I-RAP-IT. And then we're really active on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook um, at The Sex Rap. So thanks for listening, everyone. Have a healthy, safe week. Love you. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too... Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.